Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to This Week in XR. Uh, I'm Ted Shilowitz, typically the co-host of This Week in XR, and our fearless leader, Charlie Fink, is the host. And I'm here with Roni Abovitz, um, former CEO of Magic Leap and big Apple fan, uh, as well as I am. Uh, Charlie had some uh, serious personal stuff to deal with today, so he wasn't able to be on the podcast today on on somewhat of an auspicious day because of all the podcasts that Charlie has had to miss. And I think, truthfully, I think we're we may be uh, approaching or maybe over 150 podcasts now that we've done over the oh, last wow. number of years. Uh, I think Charlie has only missed one. I've missed a few because of work stuff and personal stuff, like, you know, this pesky little heart thing that I had. Yeah, that minor <laughs> thing where you get heart thing. surgery. Uh, but other than that, Charlie and I have been uh, very much, you know, this has been an important part of our lives. And since you've joined uh, and, and you're in many podcasts now, I think this has become an important part of your weekly experience. Uh, so it's just going to be the two of us. Uh, we have a guest uh, who's also uh, been deeply involved in the virtual reality world, and I think the Apple world too, Ed Sachi, who runs a company called Fable. Uh, he and I actually just talked last week uh, about his new venture that's related to AI. Um, so we'll dive into that in a bit. But um, for all the listeners out there uh, that have been under maybe the biggest rock of, of all time, uh, which I think no nobody that listens to this is unaware of what happened last week. So that's what we're gonna probably talk about mostly. Uh, is uh, the the Apple announcements. Uh, and by the way, there were many announcements. Yes, the big one was the Vision Pro that we'll talk about a lot, but they had a plethora of really interesting um, move forward moments. Uh, but let's start with you, Roni. I know you you and I had spent you know many, many hours and time at Magic Leap when you were there. Uh, and a lot of our reflections were about uh, Apple as a company and its mentality and uh, the way that it sort of moves forward. And we we often talked about, you and I use the word courage a lot, and we referred to that poem, The Man in the Arena, a lot. And to me, there was a moment a couple of days ago this week uh, when Apple did their big uh, keynote, and I, I felt that that courage and that man in the arena moment um, with, you know, my, of course, level of critique and interest on what's right and what's wrong about this. But before I dive into my personal journey, I, I want you to maybe give a little bit about your personal journey and, and what you think about the announcements uh, from a few days ago. Yeah, let, let me let me start with the, with the positive part, right? I think the simple act of Apple entering the spatial computing XR space um, was very important for everyone in the field because I think they're, them not entering put a shadow and an overhang and they have just immense market and brand power. And everyone's known that for a while, they just have it. And the fact that they were holding back made, I think many analysts and investors think this is not real, or this is like a peripheral. And, and even with Facebook, a trillion dollar company or formerly a trillion dollar company known as Facebook, 
becoming a multi-hundred billion dollar company now known as Meta, rebranding around this idea of the metaverse and XR. Um, Mark, I think, thought he could like move the needle, but it didn't, right? It actually fell backwards and people entered a crypto XR metaverse winter for about a year. And it was like, everyone's like, it's all about AI and AI is super important and AI is a big part of it. But I think Apple making such a big deal this week about the future of computing and stating that over and over again. First of all, I think signal to developers, investors, analysts, like we're there. Like this, this is the beginning of the market getting very real, right? Very, very real. And, and an Apple wouldn't have spent so much money and so much time if they don't believe ultimately this is like a billion user markets mm -hmm. over time. Not, not on gen one, over five, six, seven, even 10 generations, right? We're on iPhone, what, 14 or something or 15? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Apple Watch six or seven. So I think like if you if you understand the journey, it was a really big deal for the whole industry. Um, and I think they have the brand power to like move, you know, media developers, investors, all even with the skeptics, like don't think about the Gen One only. Think about what it means in the overall trend of this market. So mm -hmm. I, I mean, Charlie, what do you think? Sorry, Ted, what do you think about? <laughs> yeah. Well, just Charlie, think on your thing. I'm like, wait, used to it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, so, Ted, uh, what I, do you think about that? I I have been uh, talking about this uh, almost nonstop with my team at Paramount and and others around the world uh, since the announcements, and I have uh, almost too many thoughts to go into, so I didn't kind of even know where to start. But I, I think maybe the first thing to start, and this is something I've, I've mentioned on the podcast and to a lot of my friends that ask me about my connection to Apple, I said, the thing you have to note about Apple is Apple very rarely, and we might even actually say the word never, does anything truly first. Apple is really, really good at watching a sector, learning about what its potential use cases and value points are, and watching how un- refined uh, a new sector can be and how many companies will throw huge amounts of dollars at trying to figure it out without being able to really get to a refinement point or what I like to refer to as a polish point. So think about everyone else in the business as like gathering the rocks in the, in the river and Apple kind of like watches everybody else gather the rocks in the river, including other, you know, very, very large valuation companies, not just little startups, right? Um, they'll watch a sector and then they'll like take out a few rocks and run them through the polishing machine. And they're like, oh, this is starting to feel pretty good. Um, and they'll do that for years with inordinate amount of sums of money and resources, completely hidden and, and buried uh, in, in, the, um, in the ecosystem, right? But, but a very important ecosystem. So they'll just kind of keep doing that and watch a sector and learn about a sector and when they feel like they're ready to bring something to market, they will bring a first gen product to market. You know, so, so, so that's kind of what Apple's MO is, right? Uh, and I've seen this many, many, many times before in terms of how Apple uh, tracks a market and then determines when to go into a market. And very often their first foray into a market, they go to a very safe place where Apple knows how to bring something new into the market and then talk about all the use cases for it that are really comfortable for Apple, things that Apple has done many, many times successfully. So that's kind of what they showed, right? They didn't really mention the word virtual reality. They didn't mention sort of immersive entertainment or immersive worlds very much. They showed very like, I guess we would call pedestrian use cases with 
incredible design and preciseness and polish in terms of the UI, the level of technology that went into it. In addition, they're completely non-price sensitive right now, right? It is, this is really a luxury goods item, if you think about it. It is really for early adopters and people that have plenty of capital to spend on something that is relatively expensive for the marketplace because they know that a first gen product is not Apple's long goal. They're, they're playing a long game here and they will likely understand where the market starts to sit. Let's call it over the next at least three years, but likely for a product like this, five to seven years of evolution and multiple generations of that evolution before it starts to really hit its sweet spot. And we've seen this over and over and over again with Apple. Um, so I think, you know, there's nothing really new here about Apple's philosophy or strategy, what we've, what we've seen uh, in this last week, but there is a new sort of polishing of the rock in terms of their terminology that, that they use and you and I like to use called spatial computing. Going back to your world at Magic Leap, you were effectively the originator of that terminology and the originator of a lot of the stuff that Apple is showing now with their prowess. And I think you got very much along the way of getting there, but now we kind of get to watch what a company that understands how to really work that uh, can get. So that's well, I'm going to be open about a couple of things. Uh, uh, I mean, this is this is our fun because you and I have different relationships with Apple over the years. We're both yeah. really huge um, into media and film in different ways. So I want to talk. I'm going to talk about an out of body experience. Though. So like, I grew up on Apple. I grew up with the first Mac. Got the first Mac 128. Mm -hmm. Really loved Apple until until Jobs left, and then I went away from Apple. And I hated my time in the PC world with the x86s. But anyway, I had to do that because I was just like banning it. Then when he came back, I came back to Apple, right? It was just like amazing that the iMac run and then the iPod and the iPhone and the tablets. It was just an amazing run and the MacBook Pros. Uh, and then Jobs passed away in 2011. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of us who like love that arc of computing, that second phase arc, it was just tr tremendous. And it felt like the Beatles, like every single thing was great. You know, it was just an amazing run. And they came from like almost dead to full life again. And Bill Gates helped save the company. It was just one of those great stories in history, right? Oh, totally. such an amazing thing to see like hit after hit after hit. It was like, again, like watching the Beatles, like watching Pixar hit after hit at the, with the beginning. Um, what's interesting was starting a company like Magic League was imagining what an Apple would do next. Mm. That, that was in my head. Like, what would an right. Apple do next? And, and can we do that? Because who's going to do that? And it was kind of a crazy thought. Um, but what was really out of body, Ted, was seeing so many of the terms and use cases and things that we built that magically being shown by Apple. I thought that was, that was kind of very weird. Um, you know what I mean? And, and and it was like a very weird thing, like to bizarrely have been, you know, there are multiple influence in the space, but I, and I know others who've been like early pioneers in this like next wave of XR. I mean, look, you go back to the 1900s and you go back to the 1800s on like the phantasmagoria and they have like augmenting rally goes back hundreds of years. Right. Sure. And David Copperfield is a museum of crazy things of like yes. magic and it goes way back. Right. Um, and the magic lanterns, but like this kind of current wave, which I think we were part of, Collins was part of, Oculus was part of, everyone who was part of that 
saw all of their work. It was like a greatest hits album. But I'll, I'll say this criticism. It didn't feel like the Beatles. It did not feel like that jobs run. It felt like a kitchen sink approach of everything jammed together with one thing that spiked up for me. And I, and I want to see if it spiked up for you. I think the display quality level set a new bar. And I don't think anyone in VR, I'm separating that from AR. Anyone making VR with VR with like camera pass through the AR VR pass through yeah. can do anything worse now. Yeah, I think once you put your eyes on that, my take is you can't unsee it. And everyone now has to hit that level of quality. And that's the thing Apple did to the market, which I think will be good for users. And it'll raise the bar in VR to be like watchable for movies. Games will be much better. I think they just, that was a very positive thing they did. It just like raised the bar away from this grainy, noisy, almost there to like, screw it. This is how you do it. This is visual quality in virtual reality. And I think they did that. Yeah, so it's interesting. Your perspective on it, I believe, is correct. I have a, a slightly different thesis that I want to run past you. Okay. Uh, about uh, and and now let's bring into the conversations our friends at Meta, right? Who have really been a pioneering effort in bringing virtual reality to the masses and putting huge amounts of capital and resources in a long-term belief structure for whatever you think of Mark Zuckerberg and all the people that work at Meta and the pros and cons of that company. He believes um, in the sector, right? More than in the sector. Than, and, yeah. and he is really a, a missionary for the sector. Like, you know, no one other than Meta has put the amount of resources and capital into this belief. That I've estimated, uh, if you go back to when they acquired Oculus, yeah. three point something billion, the, and if you kind of do a map of, you know, from that point onward, and you look at their current $15 billion a year type numbers, they've probably poured 50 to 70 billion in, maybe 40 to 70 billion. I mean, it's an enormous amount of money. Enormous amount of money. Yeah. More than Apple, actually. Right. They have more resource and more money. So they got, they got things happening in the back room that maybe did not phase Mark. Right. So, right. So when you think about it, you know, going second or third or fifth or eighth, is a key advantage for Apple, not just in terms of their ability to polish what everybody else is doing roughly, but to actually spend less money to do it, right? So that's a sidebar. But let's look at, now let's study the week before Apple made their announcement and that uh, Meta announced their Quest, Quest 3, 3, which is yeah. a remarkably good device in terms of its evolution. I think they learned a lot from largely what is the miss of the Quest Pro. And sometimes, we actually talked about this on the podcast, I think, um, your misses in a sector if you learn from them and learn how to correct from them can be more important than your successes in a sense. Here's the problem though, with yeah. the, with the, with Apple raising the bar to 4k plus per eye. Yeah. I wonder if, if yeah. it makes sense on the quest three to be shipping without that, because it's going to be a disappointment on that level. And that is so much of what these systems are about the visual quality. Like if my, my guess is the, the thing after the quest three, we'll get there. They will yeah, so, source 4K plus per eye uh, displays from somebody, yeah. and that'll be awesome. But now they're going to be below that, and everyone's going to talk about that. And there's probably an existential discussion of like, does it really matter? Yes, it does matter. I mean, you've probably put your eyes on the Apple thing. Why don't you? Why don't you talk about if it matters? Well, so, so, uh, so here's where I here's where I want to go with that. With again, maintaining all the confidences that is important for my livelihood. You might have seen something, right? You might have seen. But something. here, here's what I think is important about what you're talking about. So, I largely agree with you that 
the visual quality, the visual fidelity, and the user experience of how they worked uh, their gesture stuff and how smart they were to put cameras on the bottom of the device so that where your hands want to be comfortably is where you will pick up those sensors. Those are really, really smart design choices. Here's the really- uh, They're not the only ones that did that, but yeah. keep going. I, I, it's course. a smart design choice. But not I know the first. That design Again, not, not the, the first, first. But right? it is exactly- by the way, the, the just to point out why that's a good design choice with HoloLens moving yes, your hand around. It was exhausting. Energy, so it was what exhausting. you put your hand in the resting state makes sense. Right. Right. right? Others discovered that. Uh, someone will figure that out in the IP landscape one day, but they were very smart to also make that decision. Yes. That is the right decision for gesture. Yes. I mean, I was an early HoloLens user, both Gen 1 and Gen 2. This and doesn't I, work kind of. And the, the gestures on the on the Gen 2 were really good. They put a lot of cameras on it. But eventually it was like a torture test because to make it work, you had to hold your hands up so long that all you wanted to do was set them down. So Apple learned from that. Again, that's a polishing thing. But here's the key point that I really want you to get your opinion on. Um, the delta of price and visual quality is something that needs to be thought about. So when I use my Quest 2 today and my Quest Pro a little bit today, which but I use my Quest 2 more than my Quest Pro, the visual fidelity that they've been able to accomplish with the screen smoothing and the level of the LCD panels and the lenses that they've developed for an extraordinarily low price is actually pretty good. The screen door effect is very minute now. You know, when you go back to the early riffs and stuff, it was like, we saw the promise of this, but the screen door effect was horrific. Snow. Wait, yeah. let, but hold on, hold on. Let me, let me go through the thesis here. And then, then I want you to give your opinion. So I've watched videos on a Quest 2. It's completely acceptable. I play lots of games on a Quest 2. It's completely acceptable. And the fidelity is good. Not off the charts amazing, but good. Now here's today's question. This might not be a tomorrow question. The Delta between a $3,500 device plus tax. So remember, we're talking about a $4,000 purchase, right? Um, compared to a Quest 3, which will be sub $500, a Quest 2, I think gonna be sub $300 for the entry level one. You're talking about an Apple device that is 10X or 11X the price and is just, just talking about visual quality, not the whole experience. But the visual quality between a Quest 2 and a Quest 3, which will likely be a little better than a Quest 2 and even a Quest Pro, um, I think there will be a distinct difference. But the question is, is it enough today to justify a 10x delta in the price? It's well, a bit like asking the question of, is an 8K TV, which is still fairly exotic to purchase, that much better than a 4K TV, which has now become a consumer durable. Now, eventually an 8K TV will become just as cheap as a 4K TV, and then there will be no decision to, to be made. But today, that's the question that I'm going to ask. But and here's the thing, Charlie. Net us some credit. Like, getting to 4K television, 4K is brilliant for TVs. You know, this retina resolution on your laptop, on your phone. Everyone's kind of used to that right now across everything. Um, Apple now crossed that line in VR. With with their with their uh, with their pro right. Here's the question for Meta. I'll give you my perspective. Apple has a lot of people that are competing with it. There's Samsung, LG. Many many companies around the world are not benefiting from Apple winning. If I was Meta, I would be running around the world at high speed trying to figure out a way to source one change to whatever about the ship next and put 4K per eye. Yeah, I the reason I think once you cross that line, it is a big, big deal. 
right? I don't think you need to go to 8K right away. You got a lot of time, but 4K buys you five, seven years, mm. right? But as long as you're below 4K, you're in this world of noise and not quite good enough. But when you hit 4K for every gamer, for every media company, for everybody, suddenly at that price point, whatever, whatever uh, meta ships as a quest something, quest 4K, yeah, that is incredibly competitive because now you're like opening up the door to everything you want, right? You don't have to have all the other features Apple does, but the one thing I would not drop on and I would not waste any second, I'd be combing the planet right now, trying to source a 4K per eye display and, and shove that into that system and ship that in the fall. So yeah, so so if that, you were- That means game on. That would be very, by the way, that's good for the users. It's good for the market. And you know, there's factories in Japan, Korea, China, who from- Today in June could crank something out by October, November, right? right. That, that's the kind of craziness that this market needs to elevate and, and to step jump. I would not lag behind. Anyway, that's my perspective. By the way, I think we have a guest. We ought to let we him do. in. We, I told him we've got five minutes and then we're going to bring yep. him because the discussion. I think he's agreeing with us. He's, I think he's, he's agreeing listening, with us. going great discussion. So that'll be yeah, it yeah, yeah. in a minute. Um, but, do, but, but you're at Paramount, Charlie. Do you, what do you think like if suddenly... If Mark made that jump and and the Quest Three had 4K per eye, what would that mean to you at Paramount about thinking about movies and really delivering amazing experiences right. now? Okay, so so it's interesting. As you were talking, I'm thinking, okay, so if Roni worked at Meta right now and had Mark's here, I would he tell would, that to Mark. He would be saying, "You need to get, you need to basically go ahead and launch your Quest Three, but with launch- 4K." Launch a Quest 4K as soon as you possibly can to compete. No, on- no, no! Don't launch the Quest 3. Oh, don't launch. Oh, just not even launch the Quest 3. No, no. Make that the 4K. That's interesting. And do, you are a giant company. Do everything in your power to get 4K in there. Go partner oh. with. Go run around the world and make that design change. Do it in four or five months in record time. Do that. Okay, That's so I so I I agree with that. Except my difference in agreement is. I think you had, I think you do both because I think you do have a mass audience that can afford a fairly low cost device and you keep cultivating that audience for a few hundred dollars and I have to tell you as someone that plays a lot of games on in VR while resolution is important to me it is not and I'll use company name but Charlie I'm not uh, sorry Ted I'm not saying raise the price Oh you think they need to do a You want to go to war with price. Apple oh, that's interesting. Apple's not shipping here's how you if Mark this I this I you wage war against Apple. They're not shipping until Q1 of 24. Mm-hmm. You ship the Quest 3 with 4K per eye around the same time they do at the price point you're talking about. You are all out warfare with Apple. Game is on. Okay, do well, not we'll miss that. You you actually have all the way to Q1. You can't tell me because I understand building complex systems. No. You can do that. A company that big can find a partner who wants to play, you know, who wants to fight against Apple. They can make sure. that happen. Yeah, all right. Well, that so would be interesting. So we'll get to see if you're right. And it, I think you you might be right, I guess. My I mean, wouldn't that be revolutionary 4K per eye at that price? Yeah. It would, they would sell many, many tens of millions. They would, that, that would create a real problem. I guess the, the big question for, for, company. the big question for their investors and their board is how much of a subsidy business can this be, right? Because they're already subsidizing the price of the quests to bring it down that low, but you're, you're it, fighting it, for a billion consumers or more. Yeah. yeah. And if they got 4k price at that price point, that's a global product, right? For a very big audience, not all the other stuff, 
Simply the 4K per eye, I think, is remarkable with everything else the Quest 3 would do. But, but I make that happen. Agreed. But here's the really important point is, yes, resolution is a key factor. But when you actually think about, now I'm going to go in more into the VR gaming side and, and interactive side of things. When you think about what's really, really important about these devices, it is the experiences and the, the play itself, the level of the game and what the game does. And when a game is good, the resolution doesn't actually matter that much. And that's I what- I kind of agree, like. but if you got to 4K, I think more studios, more everyone, more everything will start popping. Mm. That, that's my take. I can't, I can't wait. Look, I'm, I'm giving Meta a lot of credit here because I am a big fan of Apple and I know that they're going to do something amazing over time with this platform. But I think that when people get their hands on Quest 3s and go, this is pretty damn good, um, we'll have to see. But it's, it's, it's an interesting debate. But I, th but I think when you put on the Apple and you see that crystal clear, no yeah, pixel. Yeah, of course. That, now, but here's the thing, Charlie. Um, it doesn't it's, even need to be. It's not Charlie, by the way. <laughs> sorry, why do I keep? I got to get rid of the Charlie there because I don't want the thing. Sorry, Ted. I'm so used to. Hey, Charlie, okay. saying hi. But here, here's the thing, Ted. The four, I think the 4K, even if it's just in VR only mode, and you had 2K and AR pass through, yeah, is still going to be the kind of thing that makes life at Apple difficult. And gives Mark the ability to win tens of millions more because, by the way, that Quest Three with let's say 2K AR pass through, mm -hmm. 4K true VR per eye would be just it lights it up. You, you've got to hit a point where the quality level is worth investing in for for consumer, for gaming, for media entertainment. By the way, 8K whatever, right? 4K is a place where the human eye is kind of happy with that level of detail. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There are other issues like light field and accommodation. We won't get into that, but get to the 4K before Apple ships widely. That's, okay, that's well, we'll see. I mean, you're, you're throwing down the gauntlet, which is I'm good. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. We're going we're gonna to bring in Ed in like two minutes. Uh, hey, but, before, but before we do that, because you, know, you talked about your journey with Apple and your connection, I want to bring up a really important point that I think is interesting. And then I'm going to talk for maybe a minute about my journey uh, on this, and then we'll move on. To Whatever that. you're allowed to talk. Both of us have a lot of Whatever things. Whatever we're allowed to talk about. about. Yeah, which yeah. is- What uh, we can talk about is so much more interesting. That is true. <laughs> yes. Um, Right. Well, yeah. Um, so, but I was looking at, you know, that, that initial sort of price point sticker shock moment. And then I went back and did a quick search because I'm like you, my first Apple was not a Mac. It was pre-Mac. It was an Apple two C and then an oh, Apple wow. E. I go all the way back to what I was a much, much younger version of myself. And my parents bought me my first Apple computer. Um, and I used it to write scripts on and stuff and, you know, multiple floppy disks that were actually floppy. And, you know, the minute we had to get a, an 8K a RAM upgrade in it, it was a whole thing, right? It was amazing. Uh, but my first Mac was, you know, the initial Mac. And I, and I did uh, a quick search on what it cost to buy a Mac. It was $2,500 at that time frame. So extrapolate that today cost-wise, that would be around $7,000 to buy that level of technology today. By the way, I'm so glad you brought that up because this Vision Pro is not an iPhone moment. It is a Apple II Correct. moment. It is a Mac moment. Absolutely. It, right. it is a Mac moment. It is, yeah, yeah we're, we're far in their parlance. We are up. 20 years away in that cycle from the iPhone moment. Okay, so here's here's a quick 30 seconds because I know we're running long. So my certainly euphoria of watching that Apple presentation go down was a great moment for me because I've been able to live it 
many, many times. But in my life, I lived almost all of them in person. I was there when they launched the iPod and the the that's uh, cool the iPhone. I was right there in the front row, you know, with Steve watching that go down. I was there when he launched the first IMAX, the Bondi Blue. I was there when he launched the second gen, the yellow and the purple one. I was there when he launched all these things. And then I I kind of went through my collection and this because of my heart stuff, I wasn't allowed to travel yet. So I wasn't able to be there in person. But like last year, this was the little swag giveaway uh, that they had for that event. So I have that and I'm drinking out of that. And then I went back in time to my little crazy museum and pulled, and I think I was trying to remember which was the actual original one. I think this was the very first iPhone. And the pre 4G, right? The, yeah, the yeah. 3G. yeah. So I was there for all that. And then, you know, all these different evolutions and some of the weird, like so early tries, but misses. Like, do, do, you, do you recognize this thing? Oh, for those that are just listening and not watching on YouTube, this was Apple's very first attempt at a Bluetooth headset. And yeah. when everyone else was wearing these huge, clunky, ridiculous Borg-like things, they came up with this tiny little thing that went in your ear that looked so cool. The problem was it sounded terrible. It didn't work well, so it failed, right? Uh, but then, like, you know, remember these? Like, they kept experimenting with form factor. This is a the iPod. I have one of those. Those are cool. I, I thought really they were cool. very nifty little things. And little just movies. to go back in time for a second, do you remember this? This is a oh, wow. Duodoc color laptop from about, <laughs> God, this is probably a way over 30 years old now. Oh my God. I remember being on airplanes with this thing and people would tap me on the shoulder and be like, excuse me, sir. And like, I was a young director at the time, log hair, crazy computer. And, like, and they'd look at this color screen, vibrant color screen. When everybody else had a laptop that was this thick with like a, uh, like a amber, remember those amber laptops? And they'd be like, is that a computer? And I'd be like, yeah, it's this new Apple. By the way, that is where the, that era is where the Vision Pro sits. It yes, sits in exactly. That's why I brought this out of my little crazy museum of where I've got all this stuff, you know. And this literally was modular. It slid into a dock, what is called a duo dock, and gave you a big color, big giant color display for home. So they were so forward thinking. But they were not the first to make a laptop, but this was by far at its time the best laptop on the planet. And people lost their mind. Now Probably crazy expensive, right? Crazy. It expensive. was pretty crazy expensive. I remember at the time. I spent a lot of money with Apple over the years. And I built two companies, helped build two companies, literally with Apple as our partner, and a third one that is thriving as a division of that company. So as you say, there's a lot of stuff I'm not allowed to talk about, but I've been deeply involved and it was actually really physically hard to not be there this time in person for the one that I really should have been. But we're glad that's that you stayed home and working on. Yeah, on yeah. That's a little quick story. We could talk more about that. But what we can do, um, Charlie, oh my God, I'm doing it too now. <laughs> do, Rody, is uh, we'll bring Ed in. I'm sure everyone's Charlie today. We're all Charlie today. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure he's got lots of opinions on what we talked about. We want to talk. Yeah, about let's get Ed in here. Doing. And then we can loop back around and talk some more if we want. So now uh, I have to figure out how to do this. Um, okay, so let's see. Ed, are you- This are feels you like the White Album where George Martin is not is. around. Um, uh, I'm just supposed to ask you to unmute, it says. There we go. I'm, uh, no, Charlie's way better at this than I are. There you are. Hey, Ed, how are you? Hey, Charlie's. Very nice to yeah, see you. Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, Charlie. Yeah. I'm Charlie. Nice to see you. We're all Charlie um, today. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Yeah, thanks so much for, for having me on. A fascinating discussion and uh, a great honor to meet you, Roni. I've, I've never been able to meet you, but been a big awesome admirer to meet you for as many, well. many years. 
Well, um, thanks for for listening in yeah. at our at our rants and raves here for the last twenty minutes. Well, we well Ted, do you want to int- or Ted Charlie? Do you want to introduce our, our? Yeah, so our Ed and I know each other really well. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm very happy to see your AirPods in. So you're representing right. uh, the yeah. Apple culture, and I know you've been deep in the world of Apple as well. Uh, Ed and I have known each other through multiple generations of watching this VR uh, thing lay out, not just from a pure gaming standpoint, but from what his area of exploring storytellers and storytelling in virtual reality mediums have been. He's a real pioneer in that area. So it's going to be a very interesting conversation. Um, He did some really interesting things with this company called Fable uh, that created a uh, a virtual character way before the the fervor of what we call AI today and was experimenting with that, brought it out to a lot of festivals and a lot of places where you could see it. Uh, And I believe you can get it just on the Oculus store right now. Anybody can, can, can interact with Lucy, right? Am I correct about that? That's right, yeah. Uh, and then he's got some new stuff to talk about that uh, he and I just had an interesting conversation about last week. So everything is kind of coming in full circle. So that's uh, a bit of an introduction. I'm sure I've missed a lot of things that you want to bring up, but uh, feel free to dive in, Ed, as you like. No, that's great. Um, yeah, I um, was at Oculus for about five years, and that's where I first met met you, Ted, and created Oculus Story Studio. Um, and, you know, my my sort of sense just to to what you guys were were talking about was that if someone had pitched what uh what we saw on monday to us at oculus um i think they would have been fired in that that's it was a, such a completely a very um, candid comment i appreciate that that's really interesting well but but what's weird is that i actually loved it um so you know it was completely flat they had no interest in saying you can go into new worlds. Um, it was such a different point of view, and it actually made me think a little bit about. Um, I, I originally came to the U.S. to join the Obama campaign mm. uh, to work on the campaign, and that campaign was based in Chicago for the first time. A campaign was a presidential campaign was based outside of D.C. in order not to be influenced by D.C. thinking, um, and I felt watching. Apple, that even though we all say, and it's true, technically building on giants and obviously building on the giants of Roni and, and all the rest, I felt that their obviously very secretive culture meant that they, I felt we were almost irrelevant, completely irrelevant to their thinking. Hmm. Because they, they were saying, this is a bigger screen. You know, you had your iPhone, then we gave you the iPad, a much bigger screen than the iPhone. And now we're going to give you an even bigger screen than the iPad. And we're going to give you a bigger TV. And that's it. It's just a bigger screen. You're, you know, in the restroom and you are scrolling your New York Times. Well, now you can scroll it even bigger. You're on your couch watching TV. Now you can watch it even bigger. You're at the desk. Now you can watch it even bigger. All the work I did at Oculus is completely irrelevant to their vision. And all the work that I think every single, not every single, but almost every single company that I know who was very passionate about virtual reality is irrelevant to their vision. So I thought it was completely fascinating. And I actually also thought I would really use this because I'm very sedentary. I mean, I'm a little younger than you guys. Maybe I'm even more sedentary than you guys. (laughs) I just like sitting and lying down. Those are the things I like doing. Um, And I could see myself using this, doing that. And, you know, the, the Brendan and, Nate and Palmer were always trying to get me to stand up, walk forward, do stuff, put my arm up. 
so tiring. I mean, I'm just too old. Um, here, here, so I had one question though, because I think you're right, but I also think they don't really believe that. Hmm. Um, what, what I, what I, they don't spend that kind of money, the many, many billions of dollars to get there and all the resources to do that. I think what they were afraid of is Mark rebranding Facebook as meta, the $700 billion market cap drop, the lack mm. of understanding by the mainstream and, and many reporters and many analysts to accept new things. I think having Mark burn himself and lose hundreds of billions of dollars for a variety of reasons, I think they watched that and like, we have to ship, but the world is not ready for all this crazy stuff. But they designed something to do those crazy things. Yeah, yeah. It could do all those crazy things. I think what they're going to say is, we'll let developers do that. My guess is in the first half of 24, you're going to see developers do all the wild, crazy things that everyone's wanted to do with, with beyond 4K per eye. But they're not going to say that as Apple. They're going to let X Studio Y or Paramount mm -hmm. or Disney or others push it and go, Oh, wow. We didn't know it could do that. Of course they knew it could do that. That thing is so over-engineered. It's got so many sensors, so many cameras, so much competing power. It would let you, what you were trying to do with Story Studio, which I really loved what you were doing, do all that in that device. And I think it'll be breathtaking. Well, here's here's a way to- that, That's what I think they're up to. Here's a way to distill this down, Ed, and I would love to get your opinion on this because you were so early on with the founders of, of Oculus and then Ed has got moved over and bought by Facebook. If you think about like in the in the most trite way of using Apple's lingo uh, to, to describe why they did what they did, Apple knew that they had to make good on their terminology of think different, right? Mm. And what different was for them in this case was showing that it's not new, but it's a different take on what their friends on the other side of the fence did. Like, imagine if they came out and said, we have this amazing device, it costs a fortune, and look how cool it can play Beat Saber too. People would be like, what? Like, oh. why are you showing us all the stuff that Meta can already do? What they really did was like I was saying at the beginning of the podcast this week, when they were defining how to launch this product, they needed to define it in a safe space through the Apple lens of what Apple knows how to do good, which is target customers like you that don't want to be so kinetic and play games and run around and kill zombies all day long, that want to watch movies and TV shows and chat with their friends and do all the things you do on your Mac or your iPad. So when I was, you know, when it first came out, and of course I'm getting this crazy amount of texts and people asking, what do you know? What's going on? I was saying, guys, just keep watching. It's a Mac on your face. Okay, mm. that's what it is. Like at the end of the day, it's a Macintosh computer on your face. And Roni's completely right. It will do all the other things once the app ecosystem starts to lock its horns and get into this. But right now it just had to launch in the same way that Apple launches everything with a certain degree of simplicity and refinement and show, which is why they brought Bob Iger out because Bob Iger also has a safe space for- But Ed, I think Apple, I think this you know? system- was made for people like you. Um, I'm, I'm giving a keynote talk next week at Annecy, the, the animation oh, festival. Oh, cool. About this, about this, right? This this whole space. But I think about you as a filmmaker who pioneered things like Story Studio, you're working on AI and characters. That playground is not going to be a phone. And it's mm. not, it, it could be a movie theater, but your real playground 
is the is the extensive nature of spatial computing where you have everything you have the real world you have the virtual world like give somebody like you that playground i if you look at the specs of that device i think it is for people like you they don't want to say what you're going to do they want to see what you do and put a spotlight on you sometime in 24. Right. And by the way, we're we're letting Apple completely overtake the conversation now. And Ed, I do not want to do that. I want to make sure that we talk about you a little bit and your trajectory. You started the beginning of the story, but please, mm. please give our listeners that are like, okay, we got it. Enough about Apple. Mm. Um, yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about your journey. This is where we're missing Charlie, right? Charlie would be like, okay, guys. Charlie would be locking us down. Yeah. Give We've the mic back Charlies. to Ed. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, so I came came to join the Obama campaign, created social and data tech for the campaign. And after we won, they said, turn into a startup, we'll be your first client. So I started working with administration all around kind of surfacing big data um, and started working with Kaiser Permanente, the National Health Service, did the re-election campaign. And then after that, we were acquired by the main big data provider um, in the space, NGP Van. Uh, and I worked for them for about six months um, and then went to, when said, I, I don't enjoy this, uh, and I love virtual reality. Um, so why don't you accelerate me a little bit, and I'd like to move to pursue VR movies. Found uh, some friends from from uh, Pixar, um, and also another friend, Eugene, and created Story Studio, which was yeah. then acquired into Oculus and became Oculus Story Studio. Um, and we you know, were very passionate about virtual reality movies in real time. Um, and uh, won two primetime Emmys and created Quill, the painting application, Wolves in the Walls um, with Lucy. And, you know, that was, that, was, um, that was the moment that I started to get interested in AI. So this was about 2017, 2018. So we, we saw that people wanted to talk to the character, Lucy. Mm -hmm. And so I started to explore GPT um, and you know, what it meant to actually bring a character to life. Um, and for the last five years at Fable, we've been focused on what we call virtual beings. So essentially, how do you combine synthetic reality and synthetic characters with AI? Um, and more recently, we've, we've, we, we started off thinking you should make the movie Her, so a one-to-one -one relationship. Um, but in the last two, two and a half years, we've, we've realized that that actually isn't the right approach because then the AI is just a chatbot, a single agent chatbot that's just popping in and out of existence. And then what you need to do is build a simulation. So a society of AIs that are all prompting each other. Um, and that if you make it, once you get into simulations, you're starting to get into game territory. Mm. And so we're, we're uh, building a simulation game. Um, but what the players do is actually train AIs. So we've, we've gamified what's called reinforcement learning through human feedback so that a kind of a large simulation can be getting smarter and smarter. The gamers are playing it. They feel as though they're playing a sort of Westworld simulation strategy game, um, but they're also training um, AIs and that AIs are prompting each other. And that means that we, we host the Virtual Being Summit um, on Wednesday and we'll write uh, we did a fireside chat around simulations. Um, and it was interesting. He was, he was saying, you know, when you're playing a video game with someone and the person says, I've got to, I've got to go. My mom, you know, is calling me. Sorry. That's a good, that's a good signal to you. This is a real person. Um, but I don't think it should be. I think we should move on to AIs having families, 
um, having, you know, real lives so that they, you know, they can say to you, God, I'm, instead of saying to you, I'm so sorry, your mom's dead. Um, here are some whatever crisis hotlines. They would say, God, you know, when I lost my mom, I was also devastated. Um, and it really created a, um, a, a great hole in the, in the family unit. Um, is that how you feel? Um, so, you know, that's what I want is a, is a true simulation. And my, my theory is that someone who's been trying to bring characters to life for many years is that by building a million, a society of a million AIs, we might be able to get to one truly intelligent AI. So our vision shifted from the movie Her to Free Guy, Westworld, um, that a society is actually the way to get to true AGI. Yeah, it's um, and the gamers may be the path to AGI. It's interesting you bring up the movie Free Guy because I think it is such a great a movie. Really good movie that is underrated and under talked about. Um, mm. You know, it's 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 very much in the in the sort of vein of that kind of overt comedy of Deadpool and these other things like it. But it has such interesting thematics for people like totally. us about the evolution of storytelling. And what if all of these just dead-eyed, computer-generated uh, non-player characters? could actually have real stories behind them and real lives behind them that if you were intrigued by this one that maybe only a small portion are intrigued by, you could go down that rabbit hole and other peoples could go down other rabbit holes and you start to build this interesting tapestry totally. where games also, can go. Also that we've got these massive companies telling us, you know, you can't touch us, we're going to get to AGI because we've got $100 billion. But what Free Guy posits is that maybe actually gamers are the path to AGI. That yeah. if you can crowdsource, incentivize, and gamify training, then a community of gamers, competitive gamers, might be able to get to AGI faster than the academics and then the massive companies who are telling us that the creation of life is a function of Moore's law. Yeah. I think it's going to be much wilder and unpredictable and you know come out of a community, a bottom-up community. Yeah. I, I, so. Tony, have you ever seen have you seen the movie Free Guy? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you guys. It's one of the great, um, important films. If you are, if you care oh, about totally, it, totally right. It's it really is. We're all going to be ready for that. Yeah. It's so one, funny. One thing I'd love to get your take on. I, I basically think of all of this. Um, I, I think there's a, a branching, and tell me if you think this is right. There's a branching from film and books and music into a a higher order thing. I, I call a story world. People have used the word story. What I, I have a particular definition. I'm going to talk about that next week at Annecy. And I think it's I think it's markedly different from a gaming world. They might blur into each other, but I feel like Ready Player One, what Epic is doing, is really dialed in on building an immense, immersive gaming world that's just going to get more and more awesome. And I think game dynamics and all of that are, are very important. There's like gamer culture. But I think story worlds are different. Because um, I think a book is not a game. You don't read a book to gamify it, right? You don't listen to music. There's something else you get from music, book, great films, French New Wave films. Uh, it's mm. not a game, right? And I think those things can also ascend to these immersive, endless, infinitely interesting environments. And I, I love the work you're doing with sort of virtual characters because I, I, I posited a test I call the Kyoto test. Like one day, the three of us will be in some device. We don't have to name whose brand. And we will spend many hours or days in it, and we won't know that it wasn't real. And your interaction with those characters will feel like you went to Paris, like you went to Tokyo, or you went to Kyoto, and you met real people, and you had amazing discussions, and you learned all this rich cultural stuff. 
And those are not real people, right? Mm. In the same way, the depth of a character in a movie, you feel like I know those people that because an author poured their soul into it. It's not an NPC. I think there's something like that that's going to yeah. evolve. You, 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 you've immediately gotten to the, so we sort of had this problem of, okay, one-to-one isn't very good. You know, how do we get beyond just this one-to-one AI chatbot? Okay, we'll make a simulation that'll continuously prompt and it'll be really interesting and they'll have stuff that they do. But very quickly, you come on the next problem because in the movie Free Guy, if you remember, the, the AI's lives were very repetitive, boring, not interesting. And even if you get to the sophistication of The Sims 4, which is a sophisticated game, the stories are very dull. Mm -hmm. So we created the AI showrunner um, to constantly create episodes. So bear with me for a second, but uh, imagine Truman Show um, or Westworld. You can't watch those things for 24-7, but you could watch a highlights of what happened to the character each week. And that would be analogous to a TV show right? Like how friends sort of feels like what happens each week. So the showrunner generates an episode of what's going to happen to these characters based on the tropes and formulas of TV shows. So if they're doctors, they'll work at ER, the show. If they're cops, they'll work at NYPD Blue. Uh, if they're friends, they'll work in friends, they'll be in friends. Um, and that's going to prompt a lot of what happens in the simulation that week. So we had to solve infinite story in a way that you're talking about. So each AI is sort of you know, a character in a TV show, sort of essentially trapped in a TV show forever with interesting new episodes uh, coming out all the time. Okay, right? so like Ed and Roni, Ed and Roni, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a book recommendation for the two of you and then for all mm -hmm. the listeners and for Charlie, who is away this week, uh, to read if you haven't read it yet or don't know of it. Uh, believe it or not, a friend of mine from Microsoft. So there's a bit of a meta mm -hmm. kind of thing going on. A technology guy said, you need to read this book after we had some meetings. Um, and it's a book called Red Shirts. Does that, does that ring nice. at all? Okay, it's not, it's not a major like, phenomenon, but it's a really great book to read for what you guys are talking about. The author's mm -hmm. John Scalzi, S-C-A-L-Z-I, Red Shirts. And as you might imagine, they're making comedic, a comedic, comedic reference to mm. what we call the red shirt phenomenon in Star Trek, where whenever you saw in the original series, a guy with a red shirt exactly. on, that you didn't know from any other um, episode of the show, you know, he was the, the sacrificial lamb. He was the one that was going to die. This is a whole book comedy, thoughtful narrative about. I'm going to get it. Yes. Yeah. Um, winner of the Hugo Award for Best Novel, which is quite it is fascinating. Award. It's really yeah. funny and it's very thought provoking. Um, mm. so like when you're talking about this, of course, Thank you, you work for the company that makes Star Trek, right? So I have to be, mm. uh, I, my, my, like, I have to disclose I work for the company mm. that makes Star Trek. Um, but what you're talking about in my lens and in my sort of viewpoint and language is you are, and there are many people that are trying to do this, but I think you're doing it in such a thoughtful, interesting way. You're trying to make the holodeck real. The idea of fiction that starts to feel so real that it can pull your emotions and connect you to characters, not just gameplay mechanics, not just shooting up people or you know reacting or solving a puzzle, but actually feeling like it's real, like it's really happening to you. Would you say mm. that's an accurate description of what you're doing? Yeah, totally. To? And you know, we're we're so excited to. To, I think we figured out infinite story and we to be just to say because others will, will are trying this we really did try that path of like 
well, what if we just abstractly try to decode what story is and its archetypes and Joseph Campbell and all that. And we feel that actually the way to do it is just TV. The TV is the I cannot wait solution. Till you read red shirts. You're going to lose yeah. your mind when you read it. You're going you're, you're to be figured out constantly. how to just tell endless stories that are thousands of hours of content that yeah. you would consume and that is genuinely interesting and doesn't yeah. feel repetitive, even though it is. So I think TV is the uh, is the solution. And just actually yesterday, I was watching myself in uh, in South Park because we've been doing it right. um, illegally with uh, with South Park. Um, and we, we have we an episode where I'm in, fan fiction. You're doing we've fan created fiction. some fan fiction so the AI showrunner can generate. Oh, um, sorry, one second. The AI generate the AI showrunner can generate um, uh, any episode that you want. And so one, not just script, but actually video and, and editing and a plot and B plot and all of that. Um, and so you watch it as a TV episode, animated. Um, and so I was watching myself, you know, having a love affair. I'm kind of like in a fatal attraction romance with. Uh, with Cartman and it's my voice, which was super disturbing. <laughs> so um, I love the lost highway scene where the guy is like, I don't know if you remember this, call me, I'm at your house. And mm -hmm. like, he's on the other end of the phone. Like, I think AI is gonna allow us to do some really weird things. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I think you guys totally get it. Infinite story immediately becomes a difficult problem once you try to build simulations. How do you keep it interesting? Um, so yeah. yeah it's really cool we, we look forward to sort of tracking where you're headed and and do you, do you have a sense of when maybe the first thing might be out to the public yet or is that still yeah i think some point this year yeah oh, great okay so, All right. super excited so, and thank you so much for having me on guys. yeah of course you'll, you'll keep us posted um we yeah. have a few minutes left you're totally welcome to stay on Roni and I said we may because of yeah, what you're going to circle back. We, exactly. We have to pro we promised ourselves we would do at least a couple minutes to circle back yeah. and make sure we put a nice. Ted, I have, I have a hard out in two minutes, but I think um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just say one thing and, and, and you and Ed can maybe, you know, you do, keep do going. Ninth and 10th inning. I would just say this to you, Ed, all the stuff you were doing with the story studio and now with the AI characters, my only guidance is hang on for as long as you can, because the next decade, you know, 23 through 33, mm. just call it that. Um, what's coming together is you have Apple uh, lighting up the market again, and, and, and it'll wake up investors and developers. We're actually now at a visual quality level possibility in VR. And I know what you can do in true AR with Magic Leap. That's kind of amazing. And field of views mm. are not going to be the problem. And sensing and computer vision are not going to be the problem. And I know that... You're going to get to the form factors that are awesome because I've seen it. I know, I know what you need to do. And the power behind what AI is capable is also coming together. So all of the stuff we were prototyping and working on for the last 10, 15 years, you got to hang on for the next 10 because that's where you get to reap the rewards. It's like, I think about Ed Catmull making like the digital hand in like the 70s. Yeah. 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 You have to hang on not only through Toy Story 1, but all the way through. Like if you look at Ed Catmull's journey, it's mm. someone that was able to be at their beginning and follow the whole arc. Right. Mm. And I, I, what I feel bad for are the pioneers who don't hang on for the whole arc. But Ed Catmull is a great example of like, I helped invent CGI and then I mm. helped put out the great movies and I got to see the whole thing come to fruition. And I think mm. it is an arc like it's that. Great right? point. So, you know, think about where you are. You're not even at the Toy Story. I think we're at like, you know, Wally -E right yeah. now, not Wally, -E, the, mm. the little B. Mid to late 80s. Yeah. Yeah, maybe 89, 90, but like if you hang on, 
what comes next is going to be just utterly amazing, right? Because <laughs> I think what came next in CGI, like the first Toy Story and, and Nemo, all that stuff. Imagine what that means in our world of AI and computer vision and immersive computer. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. So I think this next 10 years will be the, the thing you really worked for for the last 10 or 15. That's mm-hmm. my take. Um, gentlemen, I've, I've, got to, I've got to go. You guys round it out. Charlie, I'm going to jump up too. Okay, well, then we'll, we'll call it for today, and uh, we will um, continue on our Apple discussion, no doubt, next week with Charlie back, because there's a lot more. We didn't even get to talk about the battery and the wire and all the other That's next stuff time. and all the other things, but there's plenty more to talk about. So thanks, everybody, thanks. For, for listening. Thanks, Ed, for joining us. Roni, thanks, great everyone. Great weekend, Ed. Great Charlie, meeting. we miss you. Yeah, and I really love to see everybody, you, too. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye Charlie. Bye, Charlie. Bye, Charlie.